Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? If you're doing good, put your hands together like this. That's what I want to see. If you're a guest today, thanks for being here today. Um, we're in, we're about knee deep in a series. We're in week four of a series. Uh, it's called Rhythms, and I'll just get everybody kind of up um, in the same kind of where we're at with this whole series because it's important for us to understand that. Um, and it's based on a book that I read. Um, I think it was about a year ago, and it was just the, the called, called the Compound Effect, and it was just a, about how we could habit stack, how we can do things over and over again. And we just don't, it's just not like all of a sudden it happens. It's over a period of time, sometimes months and years that these habits that we've had or these rhythms that we have that, that, that they all of a sudden we start seeing something. It's just like when you put money in a checking account and if you leave it there or in a retirement account and you earn something, you know, 10% or 12%, whatever that is, over a period of time, years, years, and sometimes decades that you'll have so much money in there, hopefully that you can retire and all that. So we've been talking about these rhythms and week one, what we talked about is the rhythm of reading God's word. And it's so encouraging um, as the, just the pastor of this church to hear the stories of all these people in small groups reading God's word together. I know our small group is doing a, a series called Jesus Calling. It's a 12-month, 365-day um, um, devotion. And so we're all doing it together. And, and it's kind of, there's nice, there's something about that synergy. But I'm hearing all kinds of stories about that. Week two, we looked at community. And I love community. And one of the reasons it's such a value here is because for so long, I didn't have community. And I realized that God has changed my life, has moved in my life through this con uh, concept called community. As a matter of fact, special week, right? Just give me everybody a heads up. If you missed the opening uh, segment, um, we start brand new series uh, of, of connect groups Tuesday night. So I think they start at 6.30 and there's all kinds of uh, reboots um, for um, just like CR and all that kind of stuff. But there's also one very special one. Um, it's for young adults. It's gonna, and and, and um, that's actually starting February 5th, right? February 5th, February 4th. What's the date, Tina? Um, it's right after service. Uh, it's for ages uh, 20 to 58, so if you're between the ages of 20 and 58, you can come to this group, right? Or if you're between the ages of 20 and you feel like you're young, you can maybe try to come once or something. So no, I'm excited about that. It's, it's long overdue that we would have something for young adults uh, here at our church. So I encourage you, if you're a young adult, we'd love to have you here. There's a bunch of our staff that's going to be here that day and just going to introduce some of the leaders. It's going to be a great day. Last week, we talked about this uh, situation with money. And the uh, view we have of money and how we, how we treasure our treasures. And, and so last week I said, you know, we're just going to be basically two parts. So thanks for coming back. Um, um, I didn't think we'd have anybody here today because we're going to talk about giving today. Um, if you're a guest today and you're a guest on the arm of somebody, they told us you were going to be here. And that's why we're talking about giving today. And so, no, it's, that's not true. <laughs> Uh, here, here's the funny thing, if you just wanted the truth, it's a really weird subject. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough subject, and I've been to all kinds of churches that have kind of done the story different ways. I mean, some churches you go to, they, they talk about it. As a matter of fact, when I was uh, in between churches back in the uh, late 90s, uh, we were kind of between one church and another church, and we started visiting churches. We went to one church. They had seven offerings, seven different offerings during the service. Two of them were for the, for the senior pastor, which I think is a great idea. So... 
I'm going to call the host up now, and no, we're not going to do, do, but the seven offerings. And then there's other churches that you never hear them talk about giving. As a matter of fact, I kind of grew up in a church when we started going to church. They just had a box in the back, and they said, if you want to give or tithe, there's, there's the box. It's kind of where we are. But we kind of do a kind of a, a little bit of both, and it, it, it's okay that we can do a little bit of both, but we have a box, and we talk about giving. But one of the things I want everybody in, in this room to understand, everybody that's watching online, if you're down at Sherwood, wherever you're at, wherever you're viewing Journey, I don't talk about this a lot, but I talk about this a lot. And what I mean by this is anytime I come across a scripture that talks about giving, it's when I stop and I, and, I, and I rest in and I go, you know something, this is the heart of the gospel. Giving is the heart of the gospel. As a matter of fact, if you go back to kind of the, the, the pivotal verse in Christianity is John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave, and so it's the, it's the essence of who we are, and so we should talk about giving. And we, what we're going to talk about today in, 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 in kind of the realm of time, talent, and treasures, though it's going to seem like we're talking a lot about the money thing, but time, talent, and treasures, I'm going to have a rhythm that we're going to work on together at the very end of this uh, message about the time, talent, and treasures, but it's one of those things that I think we, we need to take a biblical perspective. We need to look at this. We need to figure out this, this truth about money, So, but this is what I'm going to say real, real, real quick. I don't want anybody walking out of here today feeling guilty. That's not what it's about. It's not about how much you give or how much you don't give. I, what I would like to have happen is this, that if there's givers in the room that you're already givers, you go, you know something? I know why I give now. I, I give because of these reasons. And if you're not, that we would give you enough biblical presence, enough biblical kind of background that you would go, okay, I need, I need to at least allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And so maybe it's a, it's a situation where you walk out of this room today, you go home today and you go, okay, God, I'm a believer. I believe in you, Jesus Christ. It's the heart of who I am. But like this thing, giving, I've never, I've never done it. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure how to do it. And, you know, but, but would you speak to me? And, and I, I I believe this with everything that's in me. If you ask God to speak to you about his truth, he's going to reveal truth to you. He's going to tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do, okay? It's all based on this one passage. This has kind of been my prayer about this message, um, and, and it's found in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, and it says, since you excel in so many ways, and you know what? When I was reading this, Paul's writing this to the Corinthian church, I'm reading this, and I'm going, wow, this, this is going to sound a lot like our church. The things like we excel in so many ways. Like we have really good stuff. How many people agree with that? We have really good stuff around this place. Like not just speaking, but, but, and then it goes like this. It goes, in your faith, you excel. You, you're, you have gifted speakers, and everybody said amen. amen. You, you, um. Your knowledge, and, and I, would, I would say that, that this is a very educated church. It's a good church. Your enthusiasm I and mean, your love for us. And then it says this, but I also want you to excel. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Now, you do all these other things really, really good. And he's telling the Corinthian church, he says, you're really good. You got great speakers. You got, you got great programs. You have great student ministry. You have all this other stuff. But man, I really want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. And as we're going to look at today, there's a reason for that. So today we're going to look at what it means to be and have a rhythm of giving and what that really means for us. I'm going to give you the first thing, and then we're going to go to a passive scripture that a lot of us know, but if you don't know, it's going to be on the side screens, and we're going to break it down and talk about this and how this applies to this rhythm of giving. The very first thing is we should give generously. We should give generously. That's, that's, that's a key component. We were giving the very best. Jesus was not second class or second, like he was the very best. He give his one and only son. Second Corinthians nine, uh, chapter six, uh, verse six says this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a what? A few seeds will get a what? A small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a what? 
a generous crop. Okay, so let's just stop for a second. This isn't just talking about money, okay? So everybody goes, oh, they're talking about money. It's whatever we plant our seeds in, whatever our seeds are. So if, if we're not planting, if we're planting a small crop into our marriage, you know what you get? You get a small crop in your marriage. If you only put a few seeds into that, maybe you're not doing anything to really cultivate that, that relationship. That's what you get out of it. Now, it's the same thing with our kids, okay? So a lot of us have kids in the room, right? Are you plant, planting small seeds in your kids? Or are you planting a lot of seeds? What, whatever you're planting, you're gonna get out of it. Same thing with, with, with just our walk with Jesus. If you're not planting a lot of good seed or planting enough seed, you know what? You're gonna get a small crop. You'll figure some things out, but you'll never know the fullness of what God wants you to know when you're only planting a full, uh, just a few seeds. So that's in every aspect. And it falls in the It's our money too. It's our time, it's our talent, our treasures. If we're only putting a few seeds in, we only get a few back. We only get a small crop. So it says, you must decide in your heart. You may want to underline that if you have an analog Bible. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's a really key component today. And God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. I, I was reading that this morning as we were going through first service. For God's the one who gives seed to him. I was thinking about the story of God, uh, Jesus, when he's with, uh, with all the people, the, the, he's going to feed the multitude. You remember that story? And he, and, and he, and he asked the little boy to run around and they find a few lo lo loaves and a few fish. And, and, and so many times in our lives, like he had something to start with. With. He had something in the basket. So many times we complain like, oh, I don't have anything. Maybe stop and look what you have in your basket. So that's what it's saying right here. It said that, that, that then you always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's what it was like. There was, there was so much more that, that for the next several days and weeks and months, they had enough food. That's, that's the way God does stuff. And it says, as the scripture says in verse nine, they share freely with and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, verse 11, I love, I love the direction it's going here. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. There is something we get out of that so that you can always be generous and, that, that, and when we take your gifts to those who need, they will thank God. Now, verse 12, so two good things. I love this because he goes, I'm gonna give you two positive things about giving, two things that we can bank. Like, this is the reasons we give. He says, two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Think about this and what we say at Journey. Like, you, you wanna know something? I want, I want this church to be such a generous church that, 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 that the needs of Jerusalem are being met. The needs of Evans are being met. That when we come together as a faith community and we each bring our, 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 our portion, that we can go, you know something, it's amazing to me what God can do in Evans. It's amazing what God's doing downtown. It's amazing what God's doing in, in West Virginia. It's amazing what God's doing in the DR. It's amazing in all these different environments how, God, you are working. That, 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 the, the reason we can say this is because of this generosity. And then it says this, and that his name, his name, that everybody will know his name. And we say this all the time. Our number one goal at Journey is to make his name famous. That's it, not to make our name famous. And so when we give, the needs of the people in our community are met. And not only the needs of the people in our community are met, but his name is lifted high. This is what the Bible says, okay? For when we lift Jesus' name up, he says he'll draw all men. 
And one of the ways we can do that is through this concept of giving, this concept of, 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 of generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Isn't that cool? I was reading a book, and it's, um, it's called The Year of Living Biblically. And it's a, it's a guy named A.J. Jacobs. And uh, A.J., is, um, he's, a, he's an atheist, so he doesn't believe in God. But he was going to do everything biblically. So he was taking all the Old Testament, you know, in Leviticus, all those rules and the regulations and the commandments. He was taking all those, and he was going to live that way for one year. So he, he, he didn't eat pork. He didn't, he didn't eat, you know, shellfish. He didn't mix cotton, you know, with, with wool and all that kind of stuff. But he was struggling with this one thing because he had never given anything out. Like, he had never been generous with his money. So he decided that he was going to do a tithe. And we're going to talk about a tithe in a minute, kind of toward the end of this message. But a tithe, just real quick. A tithe is 10%. It comes from the Old Testament. It's the, the law of first fruits that we would bring our first fruits to God. The number one thing in our lives, we would skim that off the top and we would give it to God. It happens all through the Old Testament. So he decides he's going to do that, but he doesn't have a church to go. He's an atheist and he doesn't have a synagogue to go to. So he starts giving it to all these not-for-profit organizations. And he writes this in the book. And I, I thought it was so good that it, it deserved to be just, just read. So this is what he said. When the confirmation emails ping in, so when, when they get a notification that, that, that something happened, there was money given. He said, I feel good. He said, there's this haunting line from the film, Chariots of Fire. It's spoken by Eric Lytle. He said, the most religious runner, the one who carries the Bible with him um, during his sprint. And he says this, when I run, I feel his pleasure. And there's things in my life when I do something for God, I feel his pleasure. There's, there's something, there's a feeling I get. So he says, he says this, and I gave away money and he said, I think I may have felt God's pleasure. He said, I know I'm an, I'm an agnostic, but still I feel his pleasure. It was like a warm ember that starts at the back of my neck and spreads through my skull. I feel like I'm doing something and I sh uh, that I should do and should have been doing all my life. He said, I have this feeling. Can, can I tell you the really weird paradox with giving? Because I've been in messages and I've, I've probably preached messages. I've heard sermons where you're like, you're not supposed to want anything out of it. And I'm going, no. I think all through scripture it says when you're generous, he generously gives to you. I think there is it. And I'm telling you, when I give, I get this feeling. I get this feeling like I'm, I'm partnering with God to do something in our community. And I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a story that happened. And I'm not saying this to brag, so please understand it's not, this is not a brag and this is just something that happened. Six or seven years ago, God blessed our family and did some things in our family financially. And we had an extra car. And we would have never done this under normal, normal circuit. It's just not, it's not our MO. But, but we, went, we, get, we gathered as a family and we just said, hey, what do you think about giving this car away? And, 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 and my kids were actually the one that was spearheading this thing. Like, let's give this car away to somebody who can use this, this car. And so I came into the office and I asked around the office, I said, there's anybody in our church that we know. And there happened to be a single mother that I don't think actually had, actually, that had come the journey yet even at that point. And so, so I, I, I said, listen, I don't want, and here's the deal. This is the hard thing. She probably knows now. And if she doesn't know now, she's probably watching or maybe listening. So we didn't do it for that reason. There's no pat on the back. It was just one of those, like, that's what God blessed us with. Is that okay? Can we, all right. So we gave a car. Now here's where it gets cool. After we gave the car away, I'd be riding up Washington Road and all of a sudden I'd see the car. And I'd see, she's a single mom and three, I think three kids, right? Tina, three kids. And I'd see the car and I'd just sit there and I'd start weeping. And I, thought, I know everybody thought I was weird. I mean, they, uh, they know I'm weird, but like they thought for them. And I'm just bawling like, and, and I was, we were driving one day and there was a bunch of us and, and I almost tripped over that thing right there. How cool would that have been? 
like, boom. Um, I was riding in a car with a friend and the, the car pulled past us and I just started just bawling because like God gave us the ability to do this. They gave us the, the funds to do this. And, this you, and the guy goes, well, like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, see that car right there? That was my, one of my daughters, one of my twins' car. And as a family, we decided that we're going to give it away. And you know something? There was something warm that came all over me every time I saw that feeling or that, that car. It, 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 we get, that's the paradox. We do get something out of it, but, but it doesn't have to be money. It could be a feeling. It could be a sense of reward. It could be a sense of like satisfaction. And, and, and this is what I've learned. And it's a, that's not what motivates me, but it's a great thing to have. It's not the reason that we give so God can bless us back. I give because he, he richly and, 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 and generously gave to me, and so I get to give back to him. We give because his word instructs us. We give because it's right to give. We, we give because it pleases the Father. That's why we give. And here's one of the biggest learning lessons I've learned, 30-something years. God wants me to be generous just for generosity's sake. Not for any other reasons. He just wants me to be generous. He wants me, for the sake of generousness, he wants me to be generous. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians, in, uh, in chapter 8, verse 2. He says, they are being tested by many troubles. This is the group of people that are going uh, to blow us out of the water and give uh, exponential and, 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 and extravagantly. He says, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. That's an example right there of generous, just for generous sake. And God blessed them richly. Let me give you a second thing that, that's so important. We should give thoughtfully. Like we, we should think this thing through. Second Corinthians nine says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. One of the things I've always loved about our church is we don't put all the little, the, the, you know, the thermostats and we don't put up every week, this is how much we need. We don't do the seven, you know, seven different, we don't do any of that. Now, now this is what I want you to understand. I can't think of another commandment in scripture in which he offers these guidelines. He never says, like, like this, he never says, let each man decide how much truth they should tell. Right? He never says that. He, he never says, like, let every man decide in their heart how much they should love their neighbor. He doesn't give us that option. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? He doesn't say ever, let each man understand or decide in his heart how faithful he should be to his wife. It's not in there. You know, or, or how much, you know, you should refrain from all of that. See, what they are is non-negotiables. Those are absolutes. There's no flexibility. But this is a commandment that he gives us flexibility because he, he knows it's so dear to our heart. And everything about giving is a heart issue. Everything about giving. Time, talents, and treasures, it's a, it's a heart issue. Those other issues are absolute. This one, there's some flexibility. And he's talking about a systematic approach of giving, not a reluctant approach. I'm gonna be as honest as I can be with you right now. If I decide, because we're, and we're not doing this, we're not taking up an offering. There's not going to be any special QR codes at the end. You know, give give a thousand dollars. I need eight, 18 people. None of that. But if we took up an offering right now, you know what? This church is so generous that it would be in the thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. But that's not you. Didn't, that was that, that wasn't like systematic. That was just that was that was you're compelled to do it. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the person like there is times, maybe once or twice a year. But man, I'm going to tell you what happens around this place. People are generous because God has done something in their lives. 
And they're generous because of that. Which leads me to the next thing. We should give. See, you can't even say it in church. Let's try it one more time. We should give cheerfully. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. A person in our church a couple years ago walked up to me. It was a message kind of similar to this. And he said, look, Bobby, I can, I can give generously or I can give cheerfully. I can't do both. <laughs> now, he was being a little facetious, okay? But, but I know people that have, have given out of guilt. I know people that have given and, and said, you know something, now I've done my part. You know, I'm done. Or now I did my part, you owe me something. That's not the way God wants it. That's, that's not even close. to it. That's not cheerful. You know what that is? That's a reluctant loan. You're expecting something in return. Cheerful giving comes from an, an immense gratitude of what God has done. Not a bad attitude, a good attitude. Years ago, I was doing a message very similar to this one right here. And, and um, I talked about tithing at the very end. And a guy walked up to me, this conviction of the Holy Spirit came on him, and I was sitting up there, and we did a song at the end. And the guy came up to me afterwards, he said, hey, here's the deal. He said, I make about $500, $500 a week, and so what is my tithe supposed to be? 50 bucks, 10%. It's, this isn't, well, it is math, but <laughs> um, 50 bucks. So he said, I'm going to start tithing $50 every week. About two years later, he walks into my office and he said, hey, can I talk to you? He said, I would really like, like, I know what I told God and I made a deal with God about this tithing thing. He said, but I would like to be released from my promise to God for tithing. And I was like, why? What's going on? He said, well, I make $5,000 a week now. And I said, well, you know something? I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think God's going to let you out of it. I said, but you know what we can do? We can pray that you go back to making $500 a week if you want us to go back and pray that prayer. See, that, 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 was, that, was, that was with reluctance. That wasn't cheerful. It was they, almost in the situation. It was like, it's my duty. I have to do that. But you know what I've learned? Some of the wealthiest people I know grew with their tithes. I know a person, he was telling me about after first service, he started tithing what he wanted to make. You want to talk about some faith. He said, I felt like that I was, and I started tithing that. And in about a year, God, God answered the prayer. So it's one of those deals, cheerful giving. Now, and think about this. Think, think about what you can be cheerful about in this church right here. We get to see it happen. We're going to see it in two weeks. We're going to see because of the extravagant generosity of the church, we're going to see 125 special guests honored like they've never been honored before. And we're going to have the biggest smiles on our face, right? And we're going to walk out. You know what? It's because you give. It's because of generosity. We get to see the gifts in this church all the time, work and function and, 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 and how they impact people's lives in our community. That's, that, we should be cheerful because of that. And, and then on top of that, we get to see God's window of blessing open up in our own lives when we give, right? I've seen it over and over again. God's window of blessing. I'll give maybe a little sacrificial, maybe a little extra, and God opens up the storehouses of heaven. Psalms 116, I was a little leery about using this passage, but, and, and it comes from a version of the Bible called the Christian Standard Version. But listen to this. He says this, the, the, the writer of Psalms, how can I repay the Lord for his goodness to me? You know what the answer to that is? You can't. You can't do it. There's no way you can give enough. But you know something? We can give what he asked for. I, I, I used to hear people say this all the time. He allows me to manage 90%. And all he asked is for 
That's all. I get to manage 90% and I get to, that's how I can repay him by being faithful to his word and doing what he's called me to do. You know what else? Cheerful giving, and I found this out, it comes from an attitude of we can, not we can't. We can. We, we can do this. Now, this is what I'm talking about. First Timothy chapter six, verse 17. Teach those who are, what's the next line right there? Rich in this world, not to be proud and not to trust their money, for, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God, God who richly gives us all we need for his enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They, they should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with, uh, to others. By doing this, they will be storing up uh, their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Who is he talking to right there? Rich people. You know who else he's talking to? Us. You know, I'm not rich. You may not be Hollywood rich. You, you may not be Wall Street rich. But go to a third or fourth world country for a couple of days and you'll realize how stinking rich you are. Like your car has a house. I, so I got a friend, he's a, he's a, he's a missionary. And, and um, he comes over occasionally and a couple, couple months ago, maybe a year ago, he comes over and we're riding around, we're trying to figure out where we're going to lunch. It's important, right? Where you go to lunch. And so are we going to Japanese today? Are we going to sushi? Whatever. We have like, he was like, we have like one choice in, in Haiti. And it's like a McDonald's. It's not even a real McDonald's. It's not, it's, it's, the, it's like not even, there's no golden arches. It's just like, you know, old McDonald's camp or something. But he, he said, there's no choices. And I said, wow. And I started being reminded, like how many people have ever gone to a third world country on a missions trip or a fourth world country on a mission trip? You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of the things that they do there are different than the way we do things here. Like one, one of the things, I'm, when, we, when we pray, like we pray, right? And we expect God to do something, right? Don't, is, any, is everybody on that? Like when I pray, there's an expectation I have that God's going to do something. I, I remember over in the DR one time, I'm sorry, in, in Haiti, I prayed for this lady. And I get done praying for this lady. And about 30 minutes later, I see her coming out of the witch doctor's hut. I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, you, you got to understand, Bobby, over here, it's different because they feel like God is slow, and so they're going to do everything they can. It's just a different culture. And so I turned to him. I turned to him. I said, listen, can you tell me what's the biggest difference between, say, Haiti and what's the biggest difference between Haiti and the United States? And we were riding up Washington Road, and we got by Monster Storage. And he said, that right there. I went, what? He goes, yeah, that right there. That's the biggest difference. He said, people in the United States, we have so much stuff that we have to have another building for our stuff. Like we can't fit it all in our attic or our crawl space in our garage. We have to have another building for it. And there's nowhere in the Bible, there's, I, I've, I've looked, there's nowhere in the Bible where God calls us to be containers. He calls us to be conduits. There's, there's no place in the Bible where he says, you can have a pail, you can, have, you can just store up all this stuff. He said, no, 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 I want you to be a pipeline. He never one time, never one time says, we're getters. He constantly calls us givers. There's, there's, there's never a time that we, we get to do those things. He wants us to be pouring out in, in, from the blessings that we have in other people's lives. And so he says, rich in this world. And you, like I said, you may not be rich, Hollywood rich, but you're richer than the people over there. I mean, think about this for a second. Do you have a container for your containers? Do, 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 do you have... So I'm a big hunter, and I'm not saying this to make anybody feel guilty or anything like that, okay? 
But I, I go season. So deer season just ended January 14th. So I start putting up all my deer hunting stuff. And I, what I start realizing is I have a lot of deer hunting stuff. Like I got four or five, six different jackets. I got eight or nine pair of boots and I'm putting it in containers. And I'm putting it in containers and putting it in containers. And then I go upstairs. Then we have an attic upstairs and I go in and it's turkey season in a couple of weeks. And so I'm getting ready to go on a couple of turkey hunting trips. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pulling all my stuff from downstairs. And I'm like, this is the best. I have the choice between four or five different turkey vests. I have probably, this is really bad. I have hundreds of turkey calls, hundreds, and I can pick and choose which one I want. And I was sitting there, and that's why I got the whole thing. God's never called me to be a container. He's never called me to, to hoard my stuff up. He's called me to be a conduit into the world I'm living in. And there again, if you have stuff, that's great. And listen, I'm blessed. How many people in the room are blessed? Listen, if you're blessed, man, it's okay. But we're not called to be a dam. We're called to be a river. We're not called to hold everything back. We're called to let it pour out. How can we do that? Let me give you another thing and we're kind of moving on right here. We should give a demonstration. This we should give as a demonstration of our faith. We should give the money we're giving as a demonstration. There's times in a believer's life where, where, where out of faith, there, there's a need that you have that you go, you know something, I'm gonna give because of that need right there with the expectation that God's gonna do something supernatural, exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Second Corinthians, let's go back to that. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, right? He'll get just a, a, a little small crop. It's, it's not, it's not going to be much. He said, but this, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Luke chapter th- uh, 6, verse 37. A lot of us heard this passage. I'm going to give you a different spin on this. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others and you, uh, or it will come back against you. Forgive others and then you will be forgiven. Verse 38, it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now stop right there because I've heard preachers say this is about the priest going back to the Old Testament like the, the, the book of Ruth where there was somebody in the corner of the field and they would hold out their, their tunic or their robe and they would fill that up. That's not what this is talking about. That has nothing to do with what the priest does and, and how he collects the money. This is a marketing strategy. This is when he would go into the market. There's somebody in the market and you think about what, what you would want. The, a good businessman would fill the thing up with seed, whatever type of seed, the bucket, he'd have seed in it. And he would go and he would shake it and he'd shake it and shake it and it would settle down. And then he would push it down a little bit more. And he was providing space and then he would fill it up again and he would shake it and he would push it down. He did that several times. And then the last time or two, it would, it would pour over. The next time you need seed, where are you going? You're going to that person, right? Because you got, you know, you got pressed down, shaken, you know, overflowing and all that kind of stuff. See, that's what he's saying. When we give, he does that for us right there. Unlike what Doritos does. Somebody say amen to that. You want to talk a tragedy. I opened up a bag of Doritos. I could fit 200 in that bag, I bet. There was eight. And they charged me $42 for that bag. Right? Now, are you going back and buying Doritos? No. Well, maybe. But it's one of those deals where I don't know about you, but I want the blessing that comes that's pressed down, that's shaken that's overflowing. That's the blessing I want. 
And so what I'm going to do in my life is I'm going to, I'm going to sow seeds that will reflect what I want out of my life. And that's, that's a measure of faith. That's how, that's how faith works. I, I love Malachi chapter 3. And there's something in here that every time I read it, I have to stop and I have to underline my, my, my Bible. But listen, it says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. Okay, tithe 10%. So that there will be enough fruit in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of Heaven's, ar- heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out blessings so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. How many people want that blessing? right there. That is so great that you don't have enough room in your container to, 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 to have all the things. And then he says this, try it. And this is the only place in the Bible where God tells us we can do this. There's no, there's no other place. He says, put me to the test. He said, test it out. I've learned a valuable lesson at 58 years old. You can't outgive God. I'll keep planting seeds, he keeps pouring out. I put more seeds out, he, he pours out. I, I put more seeds, he pours out. So in our lives, what kind of rhythms can we make to have that kind of blessings? I got two and a half minutes to do 92 more points. So first thing is make a commitment, start somewhere with your time, talents, and treasures, okay? So your time, find a place to serve, your talents, and we're gonna talk about this a lot next week, so I'm not gonna, and then your treasures. In the Old Testament, it calls it, calls it a tithe, okay? How many people have ever played pickup? I pick up basketball or pick up volleyball or that game with the dodgeball that we can't even say anymore. Nobody? So how many people were the first person picked? Not a lot of athletes in here. Fantastic. How many people were the last person picked? Yeah. I just raise your hands real high again. I mean, if we ever do a pickup game, I want to know who not to pick. Hey, how do you think God feels? How do you think God feels when he's the last one to be picked? We pay everything else, our cable bill, we pay our car payment, we pay this, this loan over here, our house payment, and oh, if there's a little bit left, I'll, I'll push you a little bit. I'll push you a $5 bill, God. How do you think he feels being the last one? When he says the, the first fruit or the tithe is the first thing we do, one of the things that's the very first check that we write or the very first payment that we send when we get paid is we make sure that we're tithing. And God has honored that. And there's a passive scripture that we have stood on in Psalms 37. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. Ever since we started the concept of giving to this church, God's poured out his blessings on our lives. Second thing is look for ways to give sacrificially, right? I- I'll say it this way. I would challenge you to give till it hurts a little bit. If it's easy, if your giving's easy, you probably, hey, Jesus was sacrificially sent to the cross. The third thing is learn to stretch your faith every chance you get by practicing um, spontaneous generosity. Find a place to do something that nobody knows you're doing. Find that woman or that, 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 that lady that her husband's deployed and, and, and do something for her. Bring, bring her. bring her lunch. Do something. Uh, there, there was, there was, there was a, a story that I, I shared in first service and we'll, we'll, we're going to close here. Um, and it happened to me, I don't know, 15 or 20 years ago. And I was sitting there and this guy gets up and he was, you could tell he was super wealthy. And he's, he's telling all the stories about how God made him millions and millions and millions of God, you know. He said, but it all went back to 20 years before that when God told him to give it all away, everything he had. He said, at that point, I only had a couple thousand dollars, but I gave it all away. And so he's going on and on about how much money he owes and or how much, you know, house, how many houses he owns. And blah, blah. He's, wow. So he sits down and on the other side, there's this older lady, probably in her 70s or 80s. And I hear a whisper, I dare you to do it again. And he looked at her like, I can't. 
That's the test me. I dare you to do it. I, I double dog dare you to try to outgive God. You'll never be able to do it. I dare you to do it. And what'll happen if you'll develop a rhythm of generosity in your life, you'll plant, you'll plant so many seeds that the harvest is so big, people are gonna go, what's going on? And then everybody's needs in Jerusalem or Evans are met and we make God's name famous, which is the ultimate goal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your son, Jesus, the greatest gift. Thank you that you model generosity for us. And because of that, we can be generous. God, help us with these rhythms as we keep going through these to help us be the best we can possibly be for you to make your name famous. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.